Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good day, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is by you. Welcome to Line Drive Radio. Hopefully your favorite baseball podcast. That's why you're here. That's why you're tuning in. That's why you're listening. You're here for some bats and balls. With yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here in the great state of New York. And it's time now to bring on my LDR teammate and go out to the great city of Chicago. Sweet home, Chicago. Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab! What's going down in Chi-Town this lovely afternoon? Uh, what, what, what went down in Chi-Town last night was a pop-up in fall territory that opened the door for the Orioles to beat the White Sox in extra innings. I tell you, man. Made the headlines. It it's, made the headlines. Uh, it's epic proportions. As I tweeted this morning, say what you will about the White Sox. At least they're interesting. Uh, and it's usually not in a good way. Last night's game was just a top-to-bottom debacle, and... Watching the decisions that Tony Larusa makes and listening to the rights holders beat around the bush of the fact that he's not competent for the job is just kind of hilarious because nobody wants to say it. Like the the the, the local dude that hosts pre and post Chuck Garfine does a great job, but even he's. And last night after that game, he was at his wits end. And Ozzie Guillen doesn't want to jump on him because Ozzie. You know, there's enough talk in this town that if you're going to hire a guy that's been out of the game for a few years, Ozzy would be the better fit than Larusa, and he doesn't want to make those waves, even if he does believe it, which I wouldn't blame him if he does. Um, but I mean, last night you look at the decision making from Larusa, and Luis Roberts playing with one hand right now; he can barely swing a bat, if at all. He leads off an inning and extra innings with a guy on second base. He can't swing. He's facing a guy with dirty, hard stuff, and he swings at stuff that he can't get around on because he's got a busted-up hand, and you give away an out. And the question is, if you're going to give away an out because the guy can't swing the bat, why doesn't he bunt and get the guy to third base at least? Because those guys that were at the other game the other night telling him what to do weren't there last night. Clearly. I mean, you got to have those decision-makers behind home plate to help Tony out, buddy. And here's the worst part of the whole thing. And we talked about this with the Mets, right? It's the same problem in the Central, albeit, you know, 20 games back of what the Mets and Braves are doing in the standings. But Minnesota's lost six in a row. They're completely imploding right now. So the fact that the White Sox are four and six in their last 10, they're still tied with Minnesota, and they're only four games back with, what, six weeks to play? Six or seven weeks left? So four games isn't crazy. And you keep looking at that roster and that pitching staff, and you're like, look, if we, if Giolito can find it and Cease keeps throwing like he is, then, you know, we, we're we four games back, we have a fighter's chance. You know, the Guardians are 6-4 and four in their last 10, so they're not running away with anything. The problem that the, this is the good and the bad for the White Sox, the good is Cleveland and Minnesota refuse to run away, so they still feel like they've got a chance. The bad is... Because they believe they have a chance, there's no sense of urgency, and they keep making the same stupid-ass mistakes. Um, and at some point, it's got to change. Because, look, there's six. Well, that's why you bring in a veteran 62. manager, you know, so you don't make those kind of mistakes. Just kind of. Well, but when the veteran manager's asleep before the first <laughs> pitch, how's he going to light a fire under him, right? So, look, you're not getting a wild card out of the Central Division. It's just, it's not happening. Uh, the White Sox and Twins are five games back of Seattle for the third and final wild card spot. Baltimore is two and a half 
in front of each of them and two and a half behind the Mariners right now who are a game behind Toronto. And you're streaking uh, Tampa Bay Rays right now are in second place in the American League East and first in the wild card. So I just I don't know how the White Sox wake you don't, up. Every you don't day. see a parade in their future. I, I don't know how they wake up every morning. I, look, you're deep enough into the season that if you were going to make a change, you probably should have done it by now. Um, but to what end? Like at this point, if if you fire Larusa and you hand it to somebody on the bench, the voice isn't changing. You're not going out there and getting a guy that's going to completely change. Like you're not handing it to Ozzie Guillen on the first of September and saying, "Get us in the playoffs and win us a World Series." Like the, you're you're basically flushing a year, and it's an absolute shame that they're doing that because that team on paper is way too good to be have a negative 32 run differential and look this clueless at times. It just is. So it is what it is, but I, I, so I, can I suspect can, that there will be some massive stuff going on on the south side of Chicago this winter because it has to because they're just an absolute train wreck. All right, so can I ask you this? You're, you're, I'm not watching the White Sox game in and game out. Is, it, is there any... Is there any blame here on the players as far as how they could do maybe a little better on the field to help this out? Or is it really just really coming down to decision-making by Lewis? Well, of, of course, 100% of the blame should go on the players because at the end of the day, you're getting paid to do a job, go out and do your job. But as we both know, and it doesn't matter if it's baseball or hockey, which we talk about a lot, football, soccer, lacrosse, high ally, it doesn't matter, <laughs> okay? You're still an athlete. There are still systems that are put in place, and there's a, an environment within which you put individuals in a position to succeed. There are, If you're a personal banker, if you sell insurance, if you're schlepping pharma, whatever it is, if you want the individual to succeed at the highest level, you have expectations that you're getting paid to do a job, do it the best that you can. But there are, there's also an environment and a system within which you can put individuals in a position to succeed and increase the likelihood that they do that. The LaRusse is changing his lineup every single day. And I will, I will throw the massive asterisk on this, that the White Sox have dealt with as many significant injuries as any team in baseball. Grandal's out now. Mancata hasn't been right. Robert's been in and out. They missed Eloy Jimenez for half a season. Uh, the pitching staff is banged up. Kopech is on the IL now, which is another Larusa. What the hell? He goes out. He's warming up before the first inning. Looks like he's not comfortable. He's clearly grabbing at his leg. It looked like a knee. Um, the trainers in Larusa go out. They talk to him. He's a competitor. He says, "I'm fine. I'll I'll do my job." And then he gets shellac, doesn't get an out, gives up a bunch of runs, and then they pull him, and then you're fighting the bullpen all day. And you're setting up for fighting the bullpen for three or four days after that because you got to get nine full innings out of your bullpen one day. And you're coming in with and you're and you're chasing the number already. And now Kopech, they're saying it's a hamstring. Uh, either way, it's a leg problem, which for a guy that you're depending on to eat big innings and be an important part of your rotation, that's a problem because Giolito has been bad this year. Lance Lynn has been inconsistent this year. It's crazy to say this, Paul, but Dylan Cease, who should be in the Cy Young conversation, is their ace. Their second-best pitcher has been Johnny Cueto, who didn't sign until the end of spring training. This is a dude that wasn't even in the plans for this year, and their pitching was supposed to be a strong suit. On paper, you start the season and you're looking at Lance Lynn, Giolito, Cease, and Kopech. You're like, that's a really good rotation. You go back and listen to our preseason conversation. I'm like, their pitching staff is better than certainly Minnesota's. Cleveland's got some horses, and they, they're like the pitching whispers. So, you know, you look at what they've got, and you just figure that they're going to be there because of their arms. But pitching was supposed to be a strong suit for the White Sox, and it's been far from it. I mean, they've given up 556 runs as we record this. Minnesota's given up 519. Baltimore's given up 520. 
Seattle's given up 481. So, I mean, they've given up more. They've allowed more runs than the Texas Rangers, who are five and a half games worse. So, that's your problem. Is you look, the White Sox look like the Red Sox right now. And both of those teams are supposed to be in a vastly different position at this point in the season. So, uh, the White Sox have 99 problems and the managers won. I'll put it that way. It's a, like yesterday he leads off Andrew Vaughn and he's got Gavin Sheets hitting second. He's got two first basemen playing corner outfield spots. And Vaughn, to his credit, first pitch he sees in the leadoff spot, adios pelota. But then you got to, what are you, subbing him out for a guy who can catch late innings? And then theoretically the guy has to catch the ball? Um, it just... The roster construction, they look, they they gave Yasmani Grandal the richest contract that they'd ever given a free agent in one's history to be an everyday catcher, and he spent more time as a DH the last two years than he has behind the plate, which is a problem because theoretically Jose Abreu needs to get off his feet every once in a while and DH for you so you can move Vaughn or Sheets in at first base. And Eloy Jimenez is an atrocity in the outfield with the glove. But if you're DHing Grandal every day, then Jimenez has to play outfield, and his bat is so incredibly valuable to that offense that you look at it and you're like, just everything about that team doesn't make sense, and the manager's amplifying the issues that they already have by making terrible decisions on the field. So um, I think there's going to be some personnel movement in the off season, but I definitely think that they need to have a long, hard conversation about the manager, but here's the problem. And I've said this to you a number of times this year. If somebody's going to resign, somebody's going to quit. If for me, if I'm Rick Hahn, I'm walking in there right now and saying, thanks, but no, thanks. I'm out. The Texas Rangers need a new GM. Mm-hmm. They've drafted high the last few years. They've spent some money. They're going to spend more money. If I'm Rick Hahn, I would rather go to Texas and work with an owner that's going to be open-minded to what I want to accomplish than an owner that undermined everything that you've done to build a, a roster that on paper should be winning games and then hires a dinosaur as its manager. The hire of LaRusso was Reinsdorf completely undercutting his GM. GM comes out and says, don't ask me about Ozzy because we're not going for a retread. And then three days later, you introduce Triceratops LaRusso. Right? I mean, the guy's more suited for Jurassic Park than he is for guaranteed rate field. Ouch. So that, that if I'm the GM, I'm like, look, there are other opportunities out there. I'm going to go explore those. You know, I'm going to go see what else is out there because there are going to be some other teams that are intriguing. Look, the now we're talking about the LA Angels are for sale. The new owner comes in. He's looking at a team that's already given Trout the King's ransom. Anthony Rendon's done nothing for them on the field because he's been hurt for two years. They got to make a huge decision on Shohei Otani in short order. And they got a young GM in his first year. And you're like, do we have any confidence that this guy knows what he's doing? When we're 28 and a half games out of first place. Uh, You look at some other teams that might be looking at a GM move. You know, I think Washington, they love Rizzo. uh, But... You're 37 and a half games back, and you just traded Juan Soto. Uh, if you're Milwaukee, David Stern's contract is probably up at some point in the not-too-distant future. He's a guy that there's going to be a line around the block for. And that whole clubhouse has openly questioned what the hell they were doing trading Josh Hader. And they've completely fallen off. They're six games back of the Cardinals as we talk right now. And Colorado's got to be livid at the fact that they're 33 and a half games out and they just gave Chris Bryant the bag and he's going to give him a dozen runs batted in this year. So there are going to be openings, is my point. There are going to be positions in front offices that are available. I think Rick Hahn has done a good enough job with the moves that he's made to build a roster that's at minimum intriguing, if not a very strong competitive roster that is massively underperforming. And if I were him, I would make the decision on my own behalf and go make myself a free agent for the openings that are going to be there instead of sitting around and waiting for them to blame you for Tony LaRusso making bad decisions all year when the owner hired him out from under you. Steps off soapbox. Well said. 
I, it's it's a it's a good rap, a bad rap sheet for the Sox, but I don't know. I think you should go off of that GM spot, buddy. Once things uh, they may have received my resume recently. <laughs> um, I I included some film of me sitting on a bucket coaching twelve U this past year. I I think I got the most out of the kids. Uh, I think there's a lot that I bring to the table. No, I mean look. It's just you scratch your head sometimes, and this is true in every professional sport. You look at teams, and, you know, we talk a lot of hockey, and you look at the state of the affairs in Philadelphia, and you're like, what the hell are you hiring, hiring John Tortorella for? Uh, Other because, than the fact that it's going to be amazing buddy, television. Because, buddy, uh, the people from the popcorn industry uh, made a phone call, and they need to improve their sales. And you yeah. know, like me, and you, and millions of other hockey fans are going to be watching that Poo poo show. Oh, Rear its ugly. The Philadelphia Flyers are going to be absolute <laughs> gong show, folks. If Hard Knocks did any did hockey, oh. I would sign up to watch the Philadelphia Flyers implode this year. But I mean, look, we we I think we both really liked what the White Sox were building. We liked what they were doing preseason. We liked them a lot. I, I I'm pretty sure I had them doing very well in the American League this year. Uh, it, it's kind of funny that you know. It, I was higher on the White Sox, and you necessarily you had some, some maybe moderate skepticism. You had some questions that needed answers with the Yankees. You're like, either they're going to run away with this thing, or it's going to be a debacle. And you know, to their credit, they swung the pendulum. They got they got they got their mo back. They've got four in a row here. I mean, look, the Rays and Blue Jays aren't going away. Playing good ball. We talked about if that leads around a touchdown going into September, it's interesting with the slate that they've got left, and you're seven and a half on Tampa and eight on Toronto. And that you know, look, let's give Tampa full marks right now, okay? With the injuries that they've had, Wander Franco looking like he might not return this entire year because he went on a rehab assignment with the hand injury and it didn't go well, so he had a setback. We, I think, most people had them like trying to fend off Baltimore for the last two months here because Franco is such a just game changer for them offensively. Uh, but to their credit, eight and two in their last 10, six in a row, they're seven and a half back of your pinstripes, um, which is insane because they're actually five games under 500 on the road. And at the urinal cake by the freeway, they're 19 games over 500. Um, it's just, you look at some of the teams that just massively overperform on an annual basis and we've talked about it all year. The way that Tampa has just nondescript rosters full of guys that obviously Wander Franco's tremendous, but they don't do anything massive. They don't make you go, wow, look at what they did at the deadline. Usually it's a, they're on the selling end of the bargain, but they never go away. And that I, that is so impressive. So Buddy, full September. marks to Tampa, man, because yeah. – I don't think either. I don't think two weeks ago either one of us thought that they'd stay in front of Toronto. Well, I'll tell you right uh, now, Boston's just doing everybody a favor by rolling over at this point. Yeah. Hey, Tampa's got you know they're they're doing they're coming out of that Yankee series playing pretty damn well. They're beating obviously Casey in L.A. and one loss in there, but uh, doing what they're supposed to do. Obviously, Boston uh, weekend series this weekend, and then a you know couple of spots there against Miami and uh, six games with the Yankees in September. Uh, three at home, three on the road. And then they've got um, a doubleheader. Th- so that's five games with the Blue Jays in the first two weeks of September for the Rays. So we're going to find out, you know, that's, I think, to me, that those two weeks there is going to be, uh, you know, is, is this the Tampa Bay team that's going to say, hey, it's, it's our time. So I turn, and maybe they can jump over the Yanks or whatever see what happens. I mean, the Yankees, you know, clear cut. We talk about the Yankees here every week. They've just got a, you know, they're in a, a good rhythm right now, um, getting the guys back. Pitching's been great. Now they just need the run support, which it seems like they're starting to get here in the last couple of games. And the Yankees just have to go out. As far as their schedule, they just got to beat the teams they're supposed to beat too. And I don't see them relinquishing this lead until they get to these games against Tampa. That's six huge games. And if Tampa stays tight, man, uh, that'll be uh, a lot of fun here. So good but, but stuff. Paul, the, but, but this is what's great about the three-team wild card, but what's also so frustrating because you just out, you just laid out the schedule for the three 
world beaters in the American League East, right? Mm-hmm. And Toronto, Tampa, and New York are going to beat each other up. That's creating the smoke and mirrors proposition for the Twins and White Sox and even Orioles to an extent to say we're not out of this thing. Yeah, but I guess if, if, we can pretty much goes, say, though, now that they if Tampa suck. goes one in five against the Yankees, then the door's wide open, right? Yeah, so welcome in. They're gonna so that's the, that's the lie that these teams in Minnesota and Chicago can tell themselves. The lie that they can tell themselves is what we're doing might be good enough if we get a break here and there. It's not. And look, Carlos Correa went back to Houston this week. I think that's something that's worth talking about. Houston, guys get hurt. They don't care. Um, I think the Astros and Mariners are both going to get in the playoffs. I, I was all over the Mariners bandwagon when the season started. Uh, they'll feel a lot better about things if Julio Rodriguez turns things around. But Minnesota went to Houston. Carlos Correa was welcomed back with open arms. Did his, hey guys, good to see you again, press conference. Um, and the first question he was asked, it looked like it was, or one of the first questions was, what's your future in Minnesota? Because he's got an opt-out after this year. And he's played well enough this year that if he wanted to go look at making big money somewhere else, he theoretically could. And if you're Carlos Correa, yeah, he, you've got a boatload of money. You've got a King's Ransom sitting there that you've already signed for. But the further we get away from the pandemic, the more financially comfortable owners are going to feel and the more money that's going to be available to you. And he might look at what Minnesota's doing and say, look, guys, Detroit just kind of, Detroit feels like they're on a treadmill. If the White Sox hire a competent manager, you got to look at that situation and say they could be a lot better. But Reinsdorf has to spend money. But Cleveland just doesn't go away. Kansas City's coming. They got pitching for days. And you look at the East, and it's like, like you, you, for the foreseeable future, you have to feel like you have to win the Central Division to get a playoff berth. Because Tampa's so young. Remember, they're doing this without Tyler Glass now who theoretically is their opening day starter and ace. They're doing this without their number one. Toronto's not going anywhere. They're still young. Baltimore, I mean, I told you at the beginning of the season, like we talked, we had Baltimore and Pittsburgh kind of in that same sentence, like, guys, it's worth watching games because the horses are coming and you're going to see some of them this year. And God bless if Baltimore's horses didn't show up and drag that thing into relevance really fast. There's six games over 500 as we're talking here less than a week from September. And Brandon Hyde should be manager of the year in the American League. With all due respect to what Booney's doing and what Tito's doing in Cleveland and Dusty and Houston and service out in Seattle, for me, Brandon Hyde's the manager of the year in the American League without question because he's babysitting a bunch of guys finishing puberty and he's relevant in the playoff conversation with a team that was supposed to be nowhere to be found. And they're staying hot after trading their heart and soul and their closer. So, like, you look at Minnesota, and I was like, what the hell are they doing? Back when we did our season preview, I'm like, what? You trade Barrios last year, and then you go trade top prospects to get Sonny Gray? That's a break-even proposition, man. Like, what are we doing that's actually, like, moving the needle here? And now we're, like, they were first for a while, and it was interesting at least. But... Now they've lost six straight, and they're right where I frankly expected them to be, which is hovering around 500 ball. So it's uh, it's it's interesting to see what exactly this whole thing is going to shake out with. But if I'm Correa, I really have to – if they don't somehow sneak into the playoffs and make a run, I've got to be sitting down with my people and saying, man, do I opt out? Do I test the market? Because, look, Baltimore's got deep pockets. They've spent in the past. If I'm Carlos Correa or if I'm one of the other top shortstops that's going to hit the market this winter and Baltimore's going to saddle up and offer me $250 million, I'm interested, man. Absolutely. I'm really freaking interested. Who's his agent? If I'm a free agent this winter and I'm looking at teams that have guys that are coming, like I'm not looking at the Philadelphias of the world that are already spending a ton of money. I'm looking at Miami, who is, for my money, the, 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 one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, and it's going to get better because Lazardo's missed a bunch of time. 
I'm looking at Kansas City and the horses that they got coming. I'm, and I'm looking at Baltimore. And if I'm looking at banking on being, like last year, we talked about why did Simeon and Seeger both go to Texas other than half a billion dollars? And it's because what they have coming, they were signed not to win in 22, but to be the veteran leaders on a team in 23, 24, 25 when the, when the young guys, when the reinforcements show up. That's what the Angels signed Anthony Rondon to do, right? They've got all these young bats coming. And they used a whole draft on pitching. And the thought is, by this year one, might not happen. But years two through five, that's when we want it to hit. And I think if you're a guy in that situation, if there's a team in Major League Baseball that can sell you on years two through five is when we're going to be a really dangerous, scary-ass team, it's Baltimore. And if I'm a free agent, I'm like, dude, what have I got to do to go to Baltimore? If I'm a free agent starting pitcher, I'm like, bro, they can pick it. They can hit it. See what Baltimore needs. See what they're looking for because I'm in. I love that hype train. And frankly, we need more orange in professional sports anyway. What? Orange. We need orange. Why? It's a it mess. No, I will tell you color. something right now. Orange has done no good for the Mets. It's done no good for the Islanders. It's done no good for the Knicks. We need less orange. We need orange. Clemson orange is pretty good. It's been successful. But uh, outside of that, I mean, what are the orange? Bear down. <laughs> oh, Chicago. <laughs> you guys are lucky there's very little orange in your, hey, in your sweaters, buddy. I got, I got it out with a straight face. Give me some points for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the oh, orange has treated the San Francisco Giants pretty well. Yes. Um, well, speaking of the Giants. The Houston Astros hey. have done pretty what happened? Yeah, well, not on the legit side, though. You know, I mean, so, so there's that. Cue the Todd Rundgren. <laughs> um, well, speaking of the Giants here, and, and just maybe just a couple minutes here on some uh, mediocrity here uh, in Major League Baseball. I mean, we tout the talent and the good baseball that's being played by good baseball teams uh, in this last, let's say this last month here. That's made some of these uh, division races a little interesting. We've been focusing here on the American League Central. Um, you could look a little bit at the uh, the National League Central here with St. Louis. Things turning around. <clears throat> they got a nice new pitcher Paul over there. Paul Goldschmidt having an insane year. I mean, he's legitimately in the Triple Crown conversation right now. Um. I think he's going to just like you could hand him the most valuable player in the National League now and be incredibly comfortable with that. He's the best player in the National League. And in my mind it, it there's a sizable gap. And you could argue that the second best player in the National League is hitting behind him in Nolan Arenado. Um but if we're going to talk about guys that have impacted the National League pennant races Obviously, I brought up Josh Hader leaving Milwaukee and that effectively backfiring like an 87 Camaro. But how about Albert Pujols, man? His rock. How about, how, about, how about him just like, what the hell, here we go, six weeks to go, let's go get seven hundo and jump A-Rod on the career list. Love it. I mean, this dude, this dude is, has found whatever fountain of youth you need now. He could bounce a ball off the wall 500 feet away, and it might be a standing single for the guy because the feet have left the building. But, I mean, how much fun has it got to be to be a young kid in that locker room and watching him just get whatever he wants? I mean, he he has found a groove, and he is reminding absolutely everyone in baseball that he has been, for 20 years, a transcendent talent. He has been... One of, if not the greatest right-handed hitters in the history of the game, and to watch a guy like him go on a heater like this is so much fun. And you know what? You know, this week the the Cardinals came into Chicago, and kind of funny that they gave their going away presence to Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols in a game that neither one of them was in the starting lineup. Um. But and and but those two guys have haunted the Cubs for decades. 
just absolutely demolished him. Like you could, people will make the not a Hall of Famer case with Yadier Molina looking at his offensive numbers, but they brought up on the Cubs broadcast that during his 15 years or whatever it's been in St. Louis, teams have stolen something like 400 fewer bases against the Cardinals than any other team in baseball. And don't go exact on those numbers because I didn't look it up, but he's been a stopper. But, I mean, he's, he's bounced around. There was a the whole fiasco with him taking time away and allegedly going down to watch the pro basketball team that he owns in Puerto Rico in a playoff game instead of being with the team and – that rubbed a bunch of people the wrong way outside of St. Louis because no one will ever say anything negative about Cardinals greats in St. Louis. But like watching Pujols go on this heater, you just you have to appreciate greatness. And for everyone that said he was washed and everybody that said there was nothing left, and for every you, you look at how things went down in, at the end of his time, like the, the actual end of his time with the Angels. And you look at how he went to across town, air quotes, because Anaheim and L.A. aren't the same thing, even though the Angels are co-opting Los Angeles in name only because their stadium's nowhere near L.A. Um, but you look at how everything ended for him in L.A. and Anaheim and just how everyone said this dude has nothing left. And I'm looking at his splits right now, and he came out of the gate in April – and batted 267. And in May, he batted 188. And in June, he batted 158. And this is a dude that's always been way more walks than strikeouts. And in June, he struck out 10 times and he walked twice. And he had a 214 on base percentage. And they're carving the, the tombstone. It's over. You look at his numbers in the first half of the season, and he's done. And then July showed up. And all of a sudden, in July, this is a guy, 320 batting average, 364 on base. He's got a 944 OPS. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about August, Paul. We're talking here on the 26th of August. And Albert Pujols has eight home run, uh, seven home runs and 14 runs batted in this month. He has a 1467 OPS, Paul. Which is pretty good. It's ludicrous. Just, just stupid. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you look at where this guy is at heading into the truly – the home stretch and he is setting out a, a number that many thought would never happen. He needed 21 home runs this year to get to 700. He had 12 and 85 games for the Dodgers last year. He had five and 24 games for the angels before the ceremonial punt job that they gave him. So he had 17 in 109 games last year. No one thought that there was any chance on the good Lord's green earth that he was going to make it happen. The year before that, banged up six home runs. So he hasn't gone over the 20 mark since 2019. He's a 1.3 war player this year. He hasn't, done, he hasn't been a one-plus positive war player, Paul, since 2016 been six years even when he drove in 101 runs in 2017 he was a negative 1.8 war player I mean it's just we're getting to the end we know it he's going to ride off into the sunset with half a billion dollars in his back pocket and five years from heading off to Cooperstown to join all the other elites many of whom's numbers pale in comparison to what he put together you look at what he did in St. Louis, and God bless, just absolutely stupid. But to watch him, he's too polite and too religious to ever do it. But he's grabbing the biggest inflatable middle finger, maybe Mr. Met's middle finger, since he loves to give that to people. He's grabbing the biggest middle finger that he can find and giving it to everybody that said he was washed. I think he gets 700. I think he gets the seven that he needs. I think he jumps A-Rod. All right, well, let's talk about this here while we're in St. Louis, all right? And one other reason why he's smiling 
playing so hard. The team itself has been lights out. In August, going into this, and everybody's got to tune in and watch this series this weekend against the Braves, okay? The cards are 19-4 and four in August, okay? Yeah. This is a great series coming up against the Braves, and the Braves need it more than the cards right now. But the cards love By the this. way, two of those four losses are to the Cubs. But anyway. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I marked it down here. I saw that. Very impressive by your Cubbies. But great series coming up against uh, these guys this weekend. If if the cards can take two out of three, win the series, or sweep or whatever, I, I think it's, a, it's just even a, more of a statement uh, on this run they've had here in August. Now, you get out of this series against Atlanta. And bringing up your cubbies again, if you look at the card schedule the rest of the way, it's full of Cincinnati's, Cubs, Nationals, the Pirates. I got a couple of games here against Milwaukee. No big deal anymore. Cincinnati again. The Padres. Um, they've got a three-game set, which will be great against the Dodgers there uh, in L.A. Okay, another great series to watch. And then two more, you know, and I think the games against Milwaukee, these are nails in the coffin games for the Cards. And then they end the season with six games against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, this God is a team you. that, I mean, it, there's, there's already enough coal in the engine, all right? But the rest of the schedule for the St. Louis Cardinals with, you know, a great series coming up against the, uh, the Braves here this weekend – Another great series against the Dodgers here coming up, and I think that'll be great too because that'll give you that, – that'll be – you know, again, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I did, you know, whether or not, you know, the Padres, um, you know, might put a scare into the Dodgers. The Dodgers said, ha-ha, no, not happening. But um, I, I think that the Cardinals are better suited because they're a better team. But, man, I think everybody – you know, you talk about Pujols and this great run he's been on here the, the second half of the season here – he could possibly end up with a ring. You know, Montgomery's mm-hmm. come in there, what, what, five in a row or something since he's joined the, the rotation? I mean, yeah. this is a damn good baseball team in St. Louis right now that I think more than anything, and maybe even more last year when they had that little bit of a run, they kind of got back in here. But this is, a, this is a damn good baseball team, and I think everybody should keep an eye on them uh, as far as the rest of the way. And that's uh, knock, hello there, Mets, hello there, um, Braves, and you know, well, here, here's the here's Dodgers the are still the Kings, but this is good stuff here going on in St. Louis, and that's why yeah. Paul Holtz is, is is cruising here, man. It's a great situation for him. Well, here, here's here's the reality: in 22 games in the month of August, so Goldschmidt and Arenado, who I said if I had a ballot would be one two uh, on my National League MVP ballot, they both played in 22 games in the month of August. 22 games. They have driven in 49 combined runs in 22 games. You're well over two runs per game being driven in by Goldschmidt and Arenado by themselves. You throw in Pujols as 14, and he's only played in 17 games. I mean, you're, you're, you're sitting in the neighborhood of an average of three runs a game when you have Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Pujols in the lineup just from those three guys. You, we talk about stats, OPS, on-base plus slugging, the number that's kind of become the benchmark du jour in baseball. Corey Dickerson, you know, a, a journeyman outfielder who's got 13 games a run for them in August, has an 1139 OPS in a month. Lars Newtbar, one of the great all-time names in baseball, I know how you love you some goofy names. <laughs> Lars Newtbar has a 1016 OPS in the month. Arenado, 1088. Goldschmidt, 1260. He's been doing that all year. And Pools, 1467. I mean, when you talk about there are only, I think, four guys in all of baseball that have 1,000 OPS for the season right now. And you've got five guys in that lineup that are doing it this month. They're on a heater. Here's the question that I have for you, Paul. And you brought up Jordan Montgomery, and he's been great for them. But... When you get into the playoffs, we talked we talked about this at the deadline. We brought this up with what the Yankees did and didn't do at the deadline. Other teams, I, I don't know that the Cardinals pitching staff puts the fear of God in the people and pitching plays. 
And you're right. This weekend in Atlanta, they're going to get a look at some pitching that's got that championship experience. And the only guy that's got like bona fide World Series experience on the Cardinals rotation is Wayno. And Adam Wainwright might be in his victory lap. And he's about 75 years old. So, like, this is what makes the Cardinals such a fascinating proposition in the postseason. I think we both agree that they're a lock to get in because of the way Milwaukee's gone into a tailspin and the way that the Cardinals have just grabbed it and gone. And they're just done. See you later. But does, does their pitching play when you get into October? Because, we look, Walker Bueller, hope he gets back. But earlier this week announced they went in for exploratory. How you doing on that elbow? And he's getting Tommy John. So we won't see Walker Bueller again until 24. Um, you know, Kershaw's got the back, but the Dodgers have pitching for days and they just figure out a way to make it work. And they've been there. Most of these guys have got a ring, right? Julio Urias might be their game one starter in the playoffs. And the dude closed out their world series championship. Um, you look at Atlanta, obviously they're stacked with pitching and they've got bats for days. Uh, you look at other teams that are in it. I think Philadelphia helped their bullpen tremendously with Robertson coming in at the deadline. They've just put Wheeler on the 15-day, but they're hoping to get him back. The Cardinals, to me, on paper, have the weakest rotation of the likely playoff teams in the National League. But I think that their offense, the way that they're playing right now, scares me the most. So I'll throw it to you. Do you think that the Cardinals have the goods to actually go get a, a ring this year when you consider the complete package and step away from the, oh, my God, look at what they're doing pitching or hitting, rather, and you look at their pitching and you're like, if we're going to roll out Montgomery, great, love what he's doing for him, but our Dakota Hudson, Adam Wainwright, and Miles Michaelis, winning you a world series. I don't know. Adam Wainwright's got the most war on that pitching staff right now. Two and a half. Are the Cardinals in that pitching staff better than the Milwaukee Brewers? Yes. Um, are they better than the San Diego Padres? Yes. Um, I'm looking at wild card. Uh, yeah, but you know what? Here, here's the thing though. If you get, if you get in a three game series or a five game series with San Diego, and they're going to throw you, Darvish, and Clevenger out there. Like, again, I just I, – I, and look, we haven't even touched on the Tatis thing. That That's a whole other show waiting to happen. There's no reason to touch on it. He's suspended. He made a mistake. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next year when you've got a fresh shoulder and, you know, 8,000 apology notes to write. Not all money. But, but, but okay, so we're, we're talking let's, – let's, let's go games one, two, and three. St. Louis, San Diego. Let's say Jordan Montgomery gets one of those three games, and it's probably Montgomery. Let's go Montgomery, Michaelis, Wainwright. In some fashion, some order, one, two, and three. If you line those three up against Darvish, Musgrove, and Manaya, who are you buying? With the understanding that they've still got Clevenger sitting there who could piggyback. Clevenger might actually get the game over Maniac because his numbers actually look a little bit better. I just think... Oh, and by the way, they went out and got Hater at the deadline, so they've got a lockdown closer. All right, I'm going to throw this back to you. Which stretches their bullpen out. I'll throw this back to you. As far as the lineup is concerned, as far as the hitting's concerned, who's got a better overall lineup? Who can play the, the, the small ball better? Well, that, that's, a, that's actually a great question because when you look at the full season, the full body of work, I Cronenworth, think... has, Cronenworth has been really good for the Padres this year. Machado, I think, is still – he's cooled off. He's still a five-war player. I think he's still probably in that top three MVP conversation, certainly top five with a 368 on base percentage. Grisham's been nice for them at times. I, I'm sure they'd love to get more from him. Um, Jerkson Profar, who is the number one prospect in baseball, what feels like 400 years ago, has been nice for them. You know, they, I think what they did at the deadline, look, 
you've got a middle of the lineup there that includes Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, who's a switch hitter, Jake Cronenworth. If you ask me which lineup I like more, I'm going to say St. Louis right now, but it's hard to say that if, if there's a lineup that they get in the first round that might be scary. I think if you've got to go through Cronenworth, Machado, Bell, even to an extent, Brandon Drury was a really nice ad for them. But you've got Juan Soto in the middle of that lineup now, Paul. Yeah, but they've had Juan. I mean, if you look at San Diego, They've had Juan Soto for less than a month. Okay, so that's one guy. So you take the rest of the team. You look at their August as opposed to St. Louis's August, and it's a total different story. Uh, Padres oh, have losses to Colorado. Yeah. They have losses to the Nationals. They have losses to the Marlins. Uh, they have uh, two losses to the Guardians there. Uh, it's 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 a little more all, all over the place. Um, they've been flat out embarrassed by the Dodgers. I just no, think, I, look, I I'm, I'm completely with you on that. The, these are so two teams what I'm that are going to in completely say is different directions. I, yeah, I I just think the St. Louis Cardinals, and I don't think I think the other guy we got to talk about is their head coach there and manager Oliver uh, Marmol, if that's how it pronounces his last name. He's 36 yeah. years old. Okay, he was born the last time the New York Mets won the World Series back in 1986. I mean, the job shade, that this well, kid... Well, well recognized. Well, well done, Shade. <laughs> Noted. So when you talk about manager of the year, not only... And, and if, if uh, you know, the rest of... Uh, you know, if September rides out the way I was just kind of looking at it, if, if St. Louis kind of can steamroll, I mean, they absolutely should steamroll through the rest of their record here. And yeah, I they, think they, they, they should they should be able to comfortably run away with that division. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think look, he should I, be I, also considered maybe for manager of the year as well. Yeah, I, I think right now you're probably looking at Marmol and Showalter as the two guys that you got to split here. Come hairs. on with Bucket and the manager of the year already. What is that? He's got gazillionaires and DeGrom and Schwerzer on his, in his lineup. Marmol doesn't have that. Get you know, Buck out of the coach, whole coach of the year Arenado thing. Get out of it. Come on. Booney out coached him last week. It's he's done. It's finished. Okay. All right. True. And look, if they but here's the thing: if they do win the division, you know Showalter's going to get love. You know Buck's going to get consideration, and that's a massive if they can hang on and win that division because it isn't dis- like the Braves I are going. I disagree in. that but, a veteran coach has to come in here and when he's got gazillionaires in his lineup and arms for days that he automatically gets manager of the year. The guy sits there on the bench with his arms crossed. He's, he, uh, arms crossed. He's chewing on whatever. He's playing around with a baseball, and he's having happy conversations with Lindor while they're getting their butts beat in a game. And their big guys aren't swinging. I just don't get it. The guy's lazy. He's lazy. He's not a big. He's not showing me anything. I agree with you. For <laughs> he's a Paul, nap I- away from from having a little. You know, one of those old Thomas brunches down in Florida with your buddy LaRouche down there, buddy. He wants the 705 starts because he can go hit the dinner buffet before BP. Look, um, I love him. I respect him. But I don't think he deserves manager of the year for managing. I Give me and you a chance to manage that Met team. You're at least well, going to get 80 wins, right? Yeah, yeah, but here's let's keep in mind that they've had big injuries to their pitching staff, especially the last couple weeks. Uh, he didn't have DeGrom for half a year. Paul, I, I say that all of that to dovetail into for all of the reasons that I said Brandon Hyde in Baltimore should be the manager of the year in the American League. I agree with you that Oliver Marmol should be the National League manager of the year. I completely agree with you on that. However, in the postseason conversation, you look at where teams are playing right now and what they look like. I think the Padres kind of exhaled a little bit. I think the Tatis thing was a huge distraction. You think you're getting him back with Juan Soto at the end of August, and then you have the whole suspension debacle. And we've talked about this all year. We talked about it all last year. What matters in the playoffs is three critical things. One, get in. Anything can happen when you get in, right? So right now... If I'm the Padres, I'm more worried about getting in than anything else. 
Because once you get in, Theo Epstein has said it for years. Others have said it for years. If you can get in, anything can happen. And right now the Padres are a game and a half clear of the Milwaukee Brewers in the third playoff spot. And the Brewers are playing worse than them, even though they both lost their last two and they're both four and six in their last ten. But if you get in, the second thing that matters is matchup construction. How do your pitchers look? How do the hitters fare against the pitchers that they're going to face? What do the And how do the lineups play against the other lineup? Getting 27 outs before the other guy does. And third is health. And I think right now, if you're talking about who's, who's going to go in on a heater, who's going to feel better about themselves, I think it, it, clearly at this moment on the 26th of August, we would both agree that the Cardinals feel a hell of a lot better. But when you look at the matchups on paper and you look at the arms that are going to be doing the, the dirty work, I like the Padres pitching staff's ability to avoid bats better than I like the Cardinals pitching staff's ability to avoid bats. And with Soto and Machado in the middle of that lineup and Josh Bell and what they've put together and the depth that they have and the bullpen that they've constructed with Hader at the back and now he's had his issues. I just, I, I feel like the pitching is so overwhelmingly in favor of the Padres and the lineups favor the Cardinals, but not nearly by as much as the pitching favors the Padres. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm looking at what the Mets and Braves are doing in the East, and I'm desperately trying to find a way to chase them down and sneak into that two spot and get out of the wild card completely. Because if you can do that and let these other teams beat up on each other, I feel a heck of a lot better. Now, all of that being said, the Cardinals are six games back of the Braves and eight games back of the Mets as we're talking right now. That's a big gap to make up. Like we're talking, you, you and I are both fairly comfortable. The Yankees with a seven and a half game lead on the Rays are going to win that division. We should be equally comfortable that the Mets and Braves will be able to stay in front of the Cardinals. The Braves are eight and two in their last 10. They've matched what the Cardinals have done. And that's why they're two games back of the Mets as we're talking right now, because the, the Mets have split their last 10 and a half. But if I'm the Cardinals, I'm fighting tooth and nail to get out of the wild card round because if I'm the Cardinals and I got that pitching staff going to work, I don't want Atlanta or San Diego because their pitching's just better than mine. My lineup might be, might have the two best bats anywhere it, with all due respect to what guys like Austin Riley and Manny Machado and Juan Soto are. You probably have the two best bats in the wild card round right now in Goldschmidt and Arenado. But Pitching-wise, I have serious concerns. And I don't, I don't want to touch Atlanta or San Diego in the first round of the playoffs if I'm the Cardinals. Now, they have veterans. They have confidence. They have swagger. They should feel cool going up against anybody because of who they are. And I'm sure that they will. But I just, if I'm them, I am so deadlocked on trying to chase down that two-seed so that you can give the old guys a couple days off. Give them some rest so you don't have to go through an entire extra series and put that many more innings on guys like Wayno and Michaelis. And, and they've got time. a great chance to do that. They have a great chance to do that. Their schedule is just sauce. They just got to bring the right it spoons. Is. It is. And they might be able to do it. And you know what? That's what makes having an wild card thing so much fun. It is. So it makes it so much fun is – You've got a team that's eight games back that's playing well enough that you actually can close your eyes and imagine a scenario where they make that thing happen. And that's a lot of fun. Sign me up for it. We're here. We're in, man. You're here. We're, we're in the seats together, man. We're, uh, we're going to ride this out. It's, it's some good stuff, and it's, it's happening on both sides here. I mean, there's a ton of mediocrity in this league. I was just kind of glancing. You know, here. The, and the, the sad thing is you look at the American League and half of the league could make a very realistic case that they've got some level of playoff aspirations right now. In the National League, you've got your three division leaders, two of whom I think should be fairly comfortable with where they're at right now. 
The Dodgers are winning that division, and I think the Cardinals are winning the Central. I agree. You got the Mets and the Braves, who I think should feel very comfortable about their playoff positioning. And then what? You got the Phillies, the Brewers going in the wrong direction, and the Padres fighting to stay around 500 right now. You've got maybe four teams fighting for two spots. The, the National League is so top-heavy right now. That's where I think positioning is going to be so critical, so important. Man, the Mets have a saucy schedule left, too. Very saucy schedule. Rockies this weekend. A great set, which I'll be attending one of them next week against the Dodgers. And after that, man. The Dennis Bernstein special. Yeah, that's a cakewalk, man. Nationals, Pirates, Marlins. The Cubbies. I'm sorry. Sorry, Tab. I got to throw in it in. Cubbies. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing, Paul. I wouldn't want to touch the Cubs right now if I'm the Mets. They got a bunch of young guys that are trying to make an impression for next year. Well, I'll tell you, if the Mets screw this up, it's it's all on them here because they got the Cubbies. Then the Pirates again. They got like 400 games left with the Pirates here. Um, The Brewers, Oakland, Miami. Three games there at the end. uh, September there. Actually, no, there's a gap there. And then uh, the Nationals again. I mean, come on, Mets. It's all right there for you. This is, you know. Look, hey, the Cubs they are, lose the, the division. It's on them. The Cubs are the Cubs are thirteen and eleven in August. They're two games over five hundred. Since they made the decision to keep Wilson Contreras, they've turned a corner. They had a five game heater where they won in that, a couple in Nash, you know, against the Nationals in Washington. They went into Baltimore and beat a, a potential playoff team, and then they took two from Milwaukee as part of their tire, you know, spiral downward. I have a prediction for you. They're going to lose nine in a row starting this weekend. Cubs or Mets? Cubs. You know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that they're going to get swept by Milwaukee, but you're right. I mean, they three in Milwaukee, three in Toronto, three in St. Louis. Lady. Sorry, God Tim. bless. <laughs> yeah, and, I, 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 and I say, look, hey, look, I, I full marks giving the Cubbies there, uh, as you like to say, some flowers. Um, but these are these. I mean, and again, it, it gets tossed back on the Brewers, right? This is they got to step up here, right? Toronto's going to be look. Toronto's looking at those three games. They got to stay in the mix here with Tampa and the Yanks, right? So they got to come out as monsters in that. And then St. Louis, who we were just talking about too. As far as the division in them and, and making a statement, it's just it's a bad it's a bad step off the road here for the Cubbies into those three teams in terms of where they're at right now and, and you know these next couple of weeks here for teams to you know shut up and put up you know what I'm saying I mean the Yankees here seem to have gotten their groove back so will that you know they should continue this um, and you, you get to see the medal of teams right now. That all the stuff that you've been talking about today, as far as where wild cards are going to play out, which pitching staffs you may or may not want to play against, which rosters can play a full type of game. I mean, you saw the Yankees getting forced into playing small ball this past week. And it's changed the dynamic of the team and obviously a couple of the bats uh, kind of getting together there and, and so on and so forth. But I, and I think, if anything, the losing streak, and I alluded to this a couple weeks ago, the fact that it happened now at this time, it, it may help the Yankees now in the long term because their pitching has been solid. Even, you know, Garrett Cole, uh, you know, giving up an inning here or there, but he's been pretty much lights out. He just hasn't gotten the run support. Um, so the Yankees, I think, as far as their pitching staff is okay, they just haven't had the batters. They I mean, when is a whole team, one through nine, going to a, just a three-week freaking slump, right? But now they're kind of coming out of it. But... Just regarding to these other teams here and how these things are matching up and where the divisions are at and these leads with the wild card and everything else that we've been talking about, though. But these games now, man, this is this is heating up. So when you talk about a great young team like the Cubs here that are kind of you know playing pretty well this last month, the way the Orioles are playing here too, these upcoming matchups, whether they're gimme games, you know, when you talk about the games that are on your schedule, you got to take care of business, and then you have teams that know that they they've got to make a move here. Because other than that, you just fall into the rest of the, the me- mediocrity here in the league. 
you know, as far as the, you know, the Diamondbacks and, you know, where the Sox, the Red Sox have ended up. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's tough to see teams like San Francisco, even though they're only five and a half out, I think back of a wild card here, a lot could happen. But um, the, these are the games, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, St. Louis, make statements, win these series. You know, the Braves, obviously, this weekend against the Cards. It's just great baseball that's coming up as far as teams shifting the dynamic, making the move. I talked about last week that it was great that the Yankees have heat on them because you want to have heat on you. Let's see how the Mets do. They've got to take care of business here with the Rockies. Just win these games Um, because I think having the heat on you will make you a better team come playoff time, and it forces you, it forces your manager, it forces your teams to um, start getting into a better vibe of playoff baseball. And um, I think we as fans went out of the end tab as far as how all these different storylines that we're following here and will till, uh, you know, October gets here uh, that makes this this season has been so much fun. And, and, and with the new wild card and everything that we've been talking about, it's, it's just great to kind of look at and, you know, we could go on and on about uh, a couple of the teams here, how they're playing, and 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 like I said, these other teams that are struggling, bottom barrel teams, with after the trade deadline, seeing these prospects come in and and shake things up again, and it makes some of these quote unquote gimme games, you know, a little more serious for the teams that have them on the schedule. They got to take care of business, and that's where I talk about Milwaukee, Toronto, here in St. Louis against the Cubs. It's I hope the Cubs mix it up, man, especially against the Blue Jays, buddy. Take all yep. three. Yeah, you know, this is why we love the game. And we got six weeks to figure these matchups out. And they're going to be guys that make an impact. And with that in mind, uh, I'm going to dovetail us quickly into our line drive radio fantasy ad of the week uh, as we put a bow on uh, what we have here for this. Got to bring the fantasy music back, man. There we go. All right, what do you got for us, Ted? Uh, Philadelphia is chasing a playoff spot right now. We didn't talk about them at all. They're interesting. Guess what? They're activating Bryce Harper off the injured list Amazing. this weekend. Love it. He's back. Game changer. One of the other game changers for them is a young guy who was billed as their top prospect who was supposed to steal reps from a number of their young guys, like Alec Bohm, who, to his credit, is having a great week. He's got 10 runs batted and two jacks in the last week. Um, but a young guy who's kind of found a groove here in the second half who is this week's LDR fantasy end of the week is Bryson Stott. S-T-O-T-T. What a great baseball name. Love Bryson it. Stott. Uh, played, played in Philadelphia uh, for the Athletics 100 years ago, and here we are back in Philadelphia. Uh, last week, he's got a 407 on base percentage, uh, 333 batting average. Uh, he's only struck out five times in 24 at-bats. Uh He's eligible at second base and shortstop. So if you've got guys that are hurting, struggling, whatever, Gavin Lux is banged up, Javi Baez is banged up, Story's still on the injured list. If you've got a guy, Paul DeYoung in St. Louis is batting my sixth grade son's body weight right now. Uh, and his on-base percentage is closer to my high school son's body weight. Um, two for 25 for Paulie DeYoung. If you're looking for somebody that can give you some middle infield pop, you need a quick rental to make an impact. Bryson Stott's doing that for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's owned in 17% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Go get you some Bryson Stott this week. Uh, LDR's fantasy ad nice. of the week. Nice. Love it. Writing it down. Too bad I'm not in a fantasy league. It's not going to help me out. But I'm going to pass this information on to a couple of fellows of mine that are uh, heavily involved in fantasy baseball. And uh, maybe I can get a cut. Like, we try and get a cut here. Don't forget, everybody. PayPal, PayPal. Venmo, we all take it here at LDR. All right? Let your success be our success here at LDR. (laughs) All right, buddy. There we go. Another one of the books. Some great baseball every weekend. Love it. Tab, I had the boys out in the yard the other day. Little Yankees-Mets. We came out on the good side. It was a lot of fun. Digging it. There's nothing better to be out in, the, out in the fresh air if you if you can't be at the ballpark. You know, I was there Sunday, but a big win. Start this winning streak. It was great. Next week, I'll be in uh, enemy territory. Me and the boy are gonna we're gonna grab some Dodgers hats and we're gonna stir some some poop 
up at uh, City Field next week. Just, just wear your coming. T-shirt that tells people you're friends with Dennis Burns. Exactly. I got to get a made get up. Get out of jail free card. <laughs> All right. With that said, before we uh, turn the lights off, Hit the sprinklers, lock up the concession stands, and head on out at the park a lot. We want to thank all you guys for listening to us here at LDR. Follow us everywhere at Line Drive Radio. And uh, say hi to me and Tab on the Twitter. It's where we hang out together. So, Tab, say goodbye to the folks, as always. Well, folks, uh, as we conclude today, uh, if you need another reason to go play catch with the son or daughter, just keep an eye on uh, the reports that Julio Rodriguez is getting a massive contract from the Seattle Mariners. Uh, as he sprints to the American League Rookie of the Year. If you ever needed a good reason to get your kids to play ball, it's looking at how much these people are getting paid. <laughs> Ain't that right, baby? My little guy's out in the backyard now. Pitch back. Every day I got him out there. Tied to a chain. Throwing that ball. <laughs> get it, it done, kids. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you next week right back here at Line Drive Radio. And as always, continue to... Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.